Salim Omar here from e-commerce Money Map Podcast, and I am super excited. We've got a, a guest coming from far away, uh, the other side of the country or the world, really. Her name is Dana Borg. Dana, welcome. Thank you for having me. It's really great to be here. Great to have you. And uh, let's start off with, uh, tell us who you are. What do you do? Uh, so I'm Dana. I run a Facebook and Instagram e-commerce ads agency, essentially. Um, so we specialize in ads for e-commerce stores. Um, I've been doing this for, I've been in business now for 11 years uh, and I've been specializing in Facebook and Instagram for the last five or six. Yeah. And you started your business at a very early age, didn't you? I did. I was 19. Um, I just finished university and I had very big hopes and dreams and then ambitions and got kicked out of, well, not kicked out of uni, but finished university um, and was hunting in the job market. And I went, I don't really want to start here. Like I graduated top of my class and did all the internships and did all those sorts of things. Um, and when I couldn't find, you know, the dream job on day one, again, I had very high expectations. Um, I got a phone call from someone who said, I'm moving overseas. Do you want my clients? And I went, done. So there was wow. uh, a little bit of assistance in that process, um, yeah. but it, it's been a, a journey and a half. Wow, no kidding. And so uh, you've never been in, you weren't in business before. Do you come from an entrepreneurial family? Yeah, so my mum and dad had their own business. So I was their admin girl and their folding envelopes in exchange for an iPad girl. Um, so I, I did see my parents in business from a, a very young age. I think there's a photo of me reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad at like 12. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I, All right, so. there, I think that photo will will go around. But for now, it just sits in dad's photo box. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. Now you've got an accent uh, for the listeners. Where are you from? Where where are you based out of? So I'm on the Gold Coast in Australia, so in Queensland. Got it. Cool. And you're probably saying, Salim, you've got an accent, so we both have accents. <laughs> I've got an American accent or whatever, and you've got a you've got an Australian accent. Yeah, so so cool to have you have you on the on on this episode on this podcast, and uh, so. What were some surprises for you in those early years uh, when you, when you, you know, in those early years when you really, you bought a business or you took over a business, what surprised you about it? Um, I think the biggest surprise for me was how much you could be a successful business without having all of your marketing in place. Um, I would go into a business who by all accounts, would be reasonably successful. Um, but there was no real strategy around their marketing. There was no uh, there was no plan. They didn't really know what they were doing. They were kind of flying by the seat of their pants, as we would say. So I think that was the biggest surprise to me was just that as much as we kind of preach that, you know, you need to have a marketing strategy, you need to know what you're doing, you need to plan things, it's not necessarily essential to get to a certain point. You kind of can wing it a little bit at the start. And yet you're saying that strategy is important. So winging it plus strategy. A little bit of both. I think I think there's too many marketers out there that say, you know, from day one, you need a solid marketing plan and you need X, Y, Z and structure, structure, structure. But I think there is something to say 
to being a bit flexible and to, you know, coming up with things on the fly. I mean, I don't think anyone would have predicted that TikTok would have been a part of their marketing strategy a year ago. Um, And now I'm seeing businesses that are going completely crazy just because they started a TikTok account. And if you had not had that in your strategy and then said, well, it's not in the strategy, we're not going to do it, you could potentially have missed out. Yeah. Has has the marketing approach like for an e-commerce business different from a regular business? Or, I mean, you, 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 you've niched yourself in fashion and, and beauty. Yeah. Um, so we do fashion, beauty and pets of all things. So dogs and horses and those sorts of things, which is always good fun. Um, never going to complain about looking at puppy photos. Um, but yeah, I think the, the biggest difference is generally around the range of products that you have. So for instance, in my business personally, there's kind of only two different ways you can work with me. You know, we do coaching and we do retainers where we manage all your ads for you. Whereas when you're an e-commerce business, all of a sudden you've got five, 10, 100, 1,000, 10,000 products. And it can be really hard to showcase those products to potential customers. Um, It's not just, hi, here's our brand. Here's the one thing that we sell. It's, hi, here's our brand. Here's 50 things that we sell. Um, And you've got to be really good at helping a customer find what they want, um, which, again, is incredibly difficult with fashion. Um, you know, there's, I was talking to a, a potential client yesterday um, and like, it sounds funny, but one of our strategies is just show them pretty uh, where you just kind of put nice, attractive, fun pieces in front of a potential customer um, and they'll buy it because it's, it's pretty um, and they like it, whether that's pretty or it solves a problem or whatever that is. Pretty was just in relation to what she sold. Um, but it is quite difficult when you've got such a range of products to line those products up with potential customers. It's not impossible, um, but sometimes it is a little bit easier when you've only got one or two products. Yeah, and are you marketing the product and how much are you marketing the brand? Um, a little bit of both. So you want to make sure that you're marketing the brand to the point where people are getting that brand recognition and not just buying once and going away. Um, but you also want to make sure that you, you're selling product. Um, so what we do with most of our clients is do a little bit of brand and a little bit of product for those cold audiences um, and then a lot of brand for the the nurturing part of our, our funnel, I suppose, um, to really kind of solidify that that relationship so that they're not just buying, you know, one pair of pants or one piece of homewares. They they really do start to like that brand rather than just, oh, I bought this one thing and I'm never going back. Yeah. What marketing methods should e-commerce businesses employ and where should they be spending their money? I am a big believer in Facebook and Instagram ads. I mean, I wouldn't have my business if I didn't. Uh, but in addition to those, I think you really need to be looking at things like um, how are you going to build up your email list? We had a client recently who had their Facebook ad account go down for, a, I think they were down for eight or nine weeks um, and their business suffered horribly. So as much as I love Facebook and Instagram ads, you really can't have all of your eggs in that basket. So things that we like and a lot of our clients use are um, Google ads, which work really well when it's a searchable product. If you've got 
jeans, it's probably really hard to do Google ads. Um, the competition would be insane. But if you're selling red polka dot jumpers made out of llama fur, it's probably a little bit easier. Um, if you're selling a really specific product, it can be easier. But again, it depends. And it depends on who you hire to, to do that for you as to how good they are. Um, we really like TikTok at the moment for certain brands. Um, the, the reach on TikTok at the moment is absolutely insane. So if you do have a little bit of a, a fun demographic, you get a little bit of a younger demographic. Um, but in saying that, I mean, there's lots of 30, 40, 50-year-olds on TikTok these days. So it's not exclusively to the, the younger generations. Um, but I'd say Google, TikTok, um, and then just having a really solid email drive kind of campaign is really important. Yeah, what are one or two things that determine which marketing method to start with or to, to use in, a, in, a, in an e-commerce business? Yeah, again, I, I would say it would be Facebook and Instagram. Um, it, it really would depend on your business. Um, if you are really creative and fun and bubbly and not afraid to get in front of the camera, in this day and age, I'd probably say you start with TikTok, uh, but it is quite overwhelming and daunting to a lot of people, um, especially if the first time you go on and it's just people dancing and you're like, I don't dance, hmm. um, then, you know, don't start there. Um, but Facebook and Instagram are still really good uh, at reaching the right kind of people. Granted, Facebook's organic reach is rather terrible, um, so I wouldn't be relying on that. But even your organic Instagram, there's still plenty of room for growth there. And we've seen some really great results with clients just spending, you know, $5, $10 a day on Facebook um, because it is still a really great platform to reach new people. That is of obviously if the rest of your marketing is set up properly. Um, if you've got a website that's not converting or a product that people don't resonate with, you can send 10 million people to that website and it's still not going to convert. So it's a good way to kind of test the market at the very least. What are the most important elements to a Facebook, Instagram campaign? I'd say there's three, um, and this is why our clients love us. Um, it is your audience, your copy, and your creative. So. All three of them are really important and unfortunately we find that a lot of people will only focus on one. Um, so your audiences are really important because that's where you will find whether you're reaching the right people. If you're targeting the wrong people, you might be getting a lot of traffic, but are they buying? Um, or you might be targeting people that just aren't interested. So getting those audiences right and doing audience testing is a really important part of the process. Uh, and then obviously you've got your creative. So the graphics, the, the visuals, the video. Um, we do recommend most people use video because it is just so much more um, attention grabbing. Uh, but obviously, depending on your business, you might get away with, you know, statics or GIFs, those sorts of things. Uh, but people get bored very easily. Uh, so it is really important to be swapping those out. Uh, we've seen people come to us who obviously haven't worked with us before and they've been running the same graphic for six months and wondering why their ads are slowly dwindling. Um, you really need to be changing those up quite frequently. Um, and copy is kind of the, the forgotten one uh, in terms of 
people don't put a lot of effort into it sometimes. Um, and that first sentence and that headline are the first things that people read. So if you're saving the good stuff for paragraph two or three, you've lost people. You really need to be getting them in that, you know, that first sentence. Um, so for instance, even with your like your retargeting ads and things, like what's the one thing that your customers most want? Is it free shipping? Is it a discount? Like put those things front and center. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. So audience number one, in terms of elements, the most important elements, and then second, creatives, visuals, visual video, and then third is copy. Yeah. Um, and we do a lot of testing on all three, and that's, I suppose, why we get the, the results that we do. But you, you you need to be constantly testing these things. Someone asked me the other day whether you'll ever find the winning combo, and the answer is you won't because the winning combo will work for a period of time and then you'll need to be changing it because the audience will get bored. Yeah. How can a business owner stay inspired with the constant need for new creative? Oh, man, it's hard. Um, I think the, the best thing to do is when you see an ad that makes you want to click, screenshot it, save it to a folder. Um, I'm by no means telling people to copy other people's ads, but there are a lot of really creative people out there. And if you found an ad interesting and it was enough for you to click on it, have a look at it. What part of it made you want to click on it? Um, it becomes a bit of a, a process that we do where we've got folders of hundreds of thousands of screenshots Um just from ads that, that we liked, that we saw, so that when you are in a bit of a, a rut and you can't think of, you know, the next piece of creative or the next piece of copy, you've kind of got a reference folder of things that inspired you so that you can then go, oh, I really liked the way they did this with an image. Let's go do something similar with our product. I really liked the way they wrote this copy. It's not quite us. Let's change it to be a little bit more on brand for us uh, and we'll test something similar. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, get inspiration from other marketing, other copy, other creatives uh, that have been used to sell, promote other products, services. Yeah, the best way to do it is actually to be doing this on brands that have nothing to do with your brand. So as much as you can do this with your competition, if you sell women's clothing, go have a look at how they're selling cars or homewares or mobile phones, um, you'll find that a lot of your competition will tend to all read the same and they'll tend to all look the same. So go find a, a completely irrelevant industry um, and, and have a look at what they're doing. And the Facebook ad library is a really great resource for that. If you don't know what that is, um, you can literally search any brand that's running Facebook ads and see their entire collection of ads that they have currently live. So even if you're not seeing the ads in your feed, you can still go see what these other brands are, are up to for inspiration. Yeah, it's so it's so important to be different. I mean, marketing is about getting noticed, right? It's getting attention. And the only way to get attention is to be different. It's to be unique. It's to stand out. And a couple of, I mean, a couple of thoughts come to my mind is, is we're having this conversation. One was a book written by Seth Godin couple of decades back uh, called Purple Cow, or he used this concept, a marketing concept called Purple Cow, right? So you've got a herd of cows 
you want one, the purple cow is the one that stands out. <laughs> or the, de- the dog with the red, red hat. Right? Yeah. It, they stand out. You walk on the beach or in a park <laughs> having, you know, with a dog. And, you know, if they're wearing, he or she's, the dog's wearing a, a red hat, uh, it's going to get noticed. And interestingly enough, Donna, your company is Bright Red Marketing. <laughs> where, did you, where, where did you get that name from? And is that kind of what your line of thinking was, is to stand out using uh, a name like that? Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I was 19. I had about a week <laughs> to come up with a business name. And I'm like, I have red hair. What's going to be a thing that's going to stand out? And I've not been able to dye my hair since. (laughs) (laughs) Has that helped you stand out? I mean, I'm certainly recognisable. And it's one of those things that if people are trying to search for me, if they can't remember Bright Red Marketing, they'll search Redhead Marketing and the girl with the red hair marketing. And for some reason, I always come up. So there are a lot of brands now that are red marketing. There weren't at the time. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been quite good um, with, like, local networking and things because people can always remember the red and the marketing even if they don't remember the rest because I, I do stand out a little bit in a room. Nice. Now, what's something that you see a lot of businesses get wrong when it comes to their marketing or business. I mean, you know, it could be even just overall business. You've been in business for 11 years or so, you said. So you've been around, you've interacted with so many. A couple of mistakes that you see constantly come in front of you that show up. Yeah. So the biggest business mistake I see is people not pricing their products properly. Um, There's too many people out there that are doing it for charity but not for charity. Um, I have no problem and I think it's fantastic when businesses do things and they are giving back to charity. What I mean by that is they're not taking enough in from the profit and the, the sales of their product to even pay themselves. Like there's no point in being in business if you can't earn a wage and you can't earn enough to make it worthwhile. Um, one of the best books I ever read on this was Profit First. Like, What's the point of going into business if you can't pay yourself? That's not greedy. That's you're paying for your time. Um, So that's probably the biggest mistake I see in business generally is just people not charging enough for what they do or coming up with a business where it's not plausible and it's not possible to charge enough for what you do. Um, You know, the the business has to be viable. Uh, The biggest mistake I see in marketing is just not testing you know, especially in Facebook and Instagram ads, if you don't have two or three audience variations, if you don't have two or three copy variations, if you don't have two or three uh, graphic variations, you are really putting yourself in a box where you just can't succeed. You might get lucky here and then, but it's very, very difficult to get really good results when you don't know what's going on or what's working or why it's working. Yeah, and when you say pricing, you know, most businesses, they don't price their product well. Uh, it's, it's really a marketing problem, isn't it? You know, they haven't, they haven't articulated, they're not articulating the value of that product uh, in a way, you know, you know, in a way that the, the person on the other side wants, you know, wants to spend that money, that price 
would you would you say i mean it's really pricing is really a marketing thing where you know the product has not been differentiated the brand has not been built and all the value that the buying purchasing the product brings to the you know for the other person yeah 100% i think so many business owners come into it and they go okay it takes me two hours to make this and the the cost of getting the goods is this and these are my expenses times by two that's the price of my product um and in this day and age you really can't be pricing things based on that um because you will always underestimate your expenses uh, it doesn't really give you much room to grow and people really love good quality products if you've got you know, a handmade piece or um, something that's completely unique in the market. You've got the purple cow, charge for it. Um, I did a, a podcast episode on my podcast recently with a, a pricing specialist and she was saying that if people are saying, you know, what a bargain, what great value, and that's not what you're trying to be, put your prices up. You know, having a product for a price that people are willing to pay is obviously difficult. Um, but one of the, the best things you can do is to not edit, uh, not to enter a really price competitive market. You know, go into a market where you can charge a premium for what you do and what you sell um, because otherwise it's a, a fight to the bottom and it's a, a losing game. Yeah, well said. What key performance indicators, uh, benchmarks, uh, would you suggest uh, an e-commerce business look at to track the progress of their of their marketing strategy? Yeah, so with Facebook specifically, we like to focus on your return on ad spend uh, just to keep an eye on how much are you making based on this. Um, so we tend to to run that for most of our clients, but the really big ones are your click through rate and your cost per click. Your click-through rate, you kind of want to be more than 1%, and your cost per click, you kind of want to be less than a dollar. Obviously, there's there's many, many variations on that based on industry, but that will give you a good idea as to whether your audience and your creative are matching up and you're getting in front of the right people. Um, from there, you kind of want to look at your drop-offs between your content views, your add-to-cart, and your purchase. If you're getting a lot of content views and no add-to-cart, why don't people want to buy your product you're getting a lot of add to carts and no purchases why do people not trust you enough to purchase um, and then from there they're kind of like your facebook metrics but in terms of your whole business you really need to know things like your average order value you know the the cost per product you know what are your, your margins and those sorts of things because we might be getting you a return on ad spend of eight but if you haven't worked out that you're actually only making five to ten dollars per product, that might not actually be good enough. So it's really important to know all of the numbers of your business. There's not one magical metric that you can look at. It really is about looking at your business as a whole um, and looking at your advertising as a whole to work out where there is room for improvement. Yeah, I love how was. Uh structured you are when it comes to this scientific structured are the words that came to my mind as you were describing that yeah it's part science part art and that's why i love it because i get to use both sides of my brain yeah yeah what marketing budget should an e-commerce business have 
Oh, man. Um, look, we've seen businesses do really well on 5 to $10 a day. Um, and by really well, I mean slowly start to grow their business. Um, we don't work with anyone who's spending less than $50 a day because it's too hard for you to make your money back. Uh, but it really depends on the, the stage of business and what your goals are. If you're in a stage where you've never spent money on Facebook advertising before, don't start spending $100 a day. Spend $10, $20 a day. Do some really simple testing. See if you can start get some results and then start looking at scaling. You know, if you've been doing this for, you know, five years and you're getting really great results, uh, you know, you can, we've you, we've seen people spend, you know, $10,000, $20,000 a day. Like it, it really is limitless in terms of how much you spend, but you've got to be realistic in terms of, how many people are going to buy your product. It's especially difficult in Australia because we obviously have a, a much smaller population. Uh, there are certain caps in terms of you probably couldn't be spending $20,000 a day on ads in Australia for most industries. Um, but obviously in America, you guys have a, a much larger population and you can do those sorts of things. But there's no magic answer on how much to spend, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, this has been quite incredible. Uh, I've got a couple more questions. Um, what advice would you give to an e-commerce business owner who's looking to scale up? Scaling is one of the biggest challenges of Facebook and Instagram ads. There are a million gurus promising a million different solutions. Uh, the thing that we like to recommend to most businesses, so there's two different ways you can scale. There's horizontal scaling and vertical scaling. Vertical scaling is what most people think of when they think scaling. Um, so that's when if you've got, you know, a campaign that's spending $100 a day that's working really well and you add an extra zero and now you're spending $1,000 a day. That's what people typically think of as scaling. It's, you know, increasing the budget of things that work. What I suggest to most businesses when they are ready to increase their budget is to do something called horizontal scaling. The so horizontal scaling is if you've got an audience that's working really well and that's at that $100 a day. Point. What you would then do is go, okay, let me think of four similar audiences and I'm going to increase the budget of those new audiences and I'll run those. The benefit of doing this is that the audience that you had originally doesn't get affected. So the problem when you go from $100 to $1,000 is that campaign that once was your best performer can absolutely tank. If that audience size was too small for that sort of spend, um, if you hadn't changed your creative enough, like that campaign can die very quickly. So the benefit of horizontal scaling is that you'll have audience one, which is your big winner, and then you'll now have audiences two through six that maybe are spending $200 a day. So you have now spent the same amount of money as if you were going to do your vertical scaling, but it gives you a little bit more security um, and it's a little bit better for testing. So now what you might find is the audience three is actually a much better performer. And then you can repeat this process. So what it allows you to do is to grow your business a little bit more safely. You're still spending the same amount of money but it's not putting your big success at risk in that process. So that's kind of our suggestion around scaling. And there'll be a lot of uh, marketing experts that will disagree with me because there's a lot of, every guru has their, um, their secret strategy on how to do this. But for the businesses that we work with, this has by far been the most effective. Yeah, horizontal scaling is along the lines of, it's along the lines of uh, diversifying and not putting all your eggs in one 
basket, isn't it? A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this is the strategy that we employ, whether you're spending $50 a day or $10,000 a day, you know, it just depends on whether we're increasing the budget as we do it or whether we're just staying within a set budget. And it really does give you a lot more control uh, and it's a, a much more risk averse strategy, but it's a little bit more sustainable and it's got much less risk attached to it. Yeah. Where can people find you if they want to reach 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 out to you? Yeah, so my website is www.brightredmarketing.com.au because we are in Australia. Um, that's probably the best place to reach out. I am on LinkedIn and Instagram and those sorts of things if that's more your cup of tea. Um, but we do have a, a free strategy session if you're running ads and want to have someone have a look at them for you. Yeah, that's great. Um, I guess one last question, Donna. What insights did you have as I was asking you these questions, reflections, thoughts that came to you uh, as I was firing away all these questions at you? Oh, I don't know. Um, I think just how much I really love talking about all this stuff. Like <laughs> it's, it's uh, as you know, I, I have a podcast of my own um, and I'm always on the other side asking the questions. And it's been a while since I've been able to kind of, especially with, you know, lockdowns and all these sorts of things, it's been nice to actually just have a, a good conversation about Facebook ads and the strategy behind it. So for that, thank you very much. Yeah, no, it was uh, a, a total delight having you, appreciate you. Uh, waking up early, uh, 6 a.m. Uh, what time is it? 8, 8 oh, no, a.m.? Oh, no, 8 o'clock in the morning. Like I should be <laughs> up and running by now. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Great, Donna. You take care. Thank you so much. So great to be here. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the e-commerce money map podcast. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find them at ecommercemoneymap.com or on your favorite podcast directory. Don't forget to like and subscribe. If you want to learn more about the e-commerce accounting hub, visit ecommerceaccountinghub.com. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time on the e-commerce money map podcast.